to the EdTech Marketing Podcast, hosted by Mateo Elvira, a former tech sales rep turned digital marketer. If you're an EdTech organization struggling with how to leverage the power of digital marketing, then sign up for this weekly podcast that aims to help. Week by week, our featured guests will share their top tips that you can put into action today. Let's get started. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the EdTech Marketing Podcast. It's your host, Mateo Vira here with a super special guest. We have Stella Iknana, who is currently the customer success specialist over at Stellar Synergies. She has a background in education, actually spent 10 years of her life as a special education teacher for Glenview Public School District, and now she's helping all things K-12 through EdTech focus just really helping edtech brands with onboarding marketing anything in the realm of edtech she is definitely a guru but stella thanks so much for hopping on the podcast and sharing a little bit more about your background and what you do um how are you doing today thank you so much mateo for having me i'm doing lovely it is a wednesday I think, yes, <laughs> I'm yes, always a little wednesday. off with the days of the week, but <laughs> yes, all is doing well. Thanks. Absolutely. Do you mind just like for starters, just giving us like a brief intro of like your background? Obviously, you come from the education space, so you have a lot of experience and knowledge in education, and now you're helping ed tech companies. So I'd love to learn more about like how it all started and what made you take this leap of faith in now doing your own thing. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I was a special education teacher for 10 years. So that's definitely a client-facing role. I helped the learners achieve goals and really identifying where they were. So like baseline um, ability levels and then where were they trying to get to in a year from now. So I had to project um, long-term goals and then break those down into trimester goals as well as daily goals. And when I tried to start thinking about how can I do this in a larger scale, I learned about customer success, the SaaS space, and I used a lot of the SaaS products as a instructor. Um, I was, I used the word voluntold to use them. Um, so I didn't have um, any uh, input into the items that I would use, and I would just try to do the best I can with what I had. And so, yeah, it's neat to see this other aspect of it. And what I'm trying to do within tech and ed tech specifically is bring the insights of the person, their end user. So I say boots on the ground. Who else would know what it's like to be a teacher using ed tech products than a teacher? Um, and so I've definitely been fortunate to have been in a district that did have you know, lots of resources, um, but there are still, you know, things that can definitely have been done better, um, as is the case in every industry, right? And I always talk about the good, bad, and ugly, and I'm here to authentically say, um, share my story of what I went through 
in education and how it could be used in a, you know, just a different path. It's not right or wrong. It's just meeting the needs of students. That's what educators do each and every day, whether they have an ed tech product or not, but it would definitely help them um, reduce their planning time. I think that's key. If any company can figure out how to reduce plan time for teachers, you're golden. Interesting. I love that word that you use voluntold as opposed to volunteer. You, you talk a lot about like technology adoption as a teacher and how a lot of the tools are kind of just handed to teachers and you've obviously experienced that a lot. Do you mind sharing like some of your experiences and your feedback when it comes to adopting technology as a school district and how that trickles down to a teacher that would be told or advised to use this tool in the classroom? Like what does that process look like? Sure. Um, so as a special education teacher, I primarily worked with reading, writing, and math classes. And so I taught them um, within the general education classroom. So I would co-teach as well as I would have my own classes that I would instruct. And all the students in that class had special education um, minutes and supports and services. So a few things, the general education curriculum um, sometimes is, you know, simply here are the standards. So they're set by the state. And then we have to simply create content to ensure that students are meeting those standards. Sometimes we get given um, or told to use certain curriculum. And since I worked with learners who were significantly below reading um, averages, so let's say I had an eighth grade class, um, we called it like self-contained, I had learners who were reading at the second grade and first grade level. Um, so they relied on things like interventions. Um, so different things like Read 180 or System 44, where they were created to support students um, increase their fluency or comprehension skills. The thing is, when we adopt new programs, there is a small committee formed. Um, and, you know, if you want to join it, you can. But after that, the committee is pretty selective on who they let in, and then they make the decisions. Um, so they might get several different publishers to come in and kind of show off what they have. And then that's it. We have to kind of roll with that. And so there's kind of not this like trial period of do we like this? Um, what's your feedback on it? Sometimes we get trained, sometimes we don't. And so uh, most recently, there was a huge curriculum curriculum change when the pandemic started. Um, and I was the first one to raise my hand and say, um, wait, should we do this? Because we're starting up, you know, to teach during this unprecedented time. And I was told, yes, go for it. Um, so different things like that, I think the education system as a whole can maybe take time to pause and reflect and say, is this really what we need at this time? And that kind of continued reflection. Um, I wish that was stronger and listening to teacher voice and input. There are so many programs out there. None of us use them all, you know? So it's, if we were surveyed and said, you know, what are the things that you cannot live without? 
I can name them right now. Brain Pop, Kahoot, um, Breakout EDU. That's pretty much it. You know, gamification things that are needed to review and supplement um, for instruction when it's needed. We don't need tech for everything. Um, and that's kind of a huge statement right there. But I think what education is leaning towards is too much tech, in my opinion, when I am a certified human that knows how to deliver instruction for learners. So I think that's where we're at right now um, with tech and teachers, um, not butting heads, but it's just not a, what's the right word? Peachy keen scene. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know like you, the last time we chatted, you were really big into like using technology as sort of a supplemental tool and not really replacing the teacher in itself. How do you, how do you foresee like a, a, a good balance between technology and like a human connection? Obviously students of today's age, like really lean on technology, like they've lived it their whole lives. So how can we strike a, a good balance between like really in maximizing all the, the learning tools out there, but also having that human element that you seem to be like really, really passionate and like pushing for is like not to escape what teaching has always been at its core. Absolutely. I think it always goes down to your goals. What are we trying to have students learn and why? So we always do a scope and sequence, like an end of unit goal, and then that trickles down to a daily goal. And it's always students will be able to blank. So how are they going to be able to do that? Whether it's identifying what a numerator is or how to, you know, identify positive and negative integers. And then it's kind of backwards planning and saying, okay, um, what's an engaging way to bring up this um, topic? Is there a video I want to use? Is there a picture? Is there a story I want to embed in here? And so it's kind of really tailored to each and every lesson. And I often said, every day is not a fireworks show. That's what I told students. Um, but within this week, we will get to watch a video. We will get to do a Kahoot. We will get to see Tim and Moby on Brain Pop. So they would have like a scope and sequence, but there's no way I can sit and embed that every single day because I'm crafting a unique lesson and um, engagement activities for them each day. So things I've done is to get them excited about the next unit, I would show like little sections of a picture and they would kind of guess, oh, what are we doing next? Um, you know, based on the little frame of the photo I would show. So that would get them like hyped up for the next unit or, um, you know, and a unit is ending and how can I get them hyped up to review and prep for the assessment using different tools to get them to review instead of saying, read your notes. So it's really kind of um, taking a pulse of what's happening in class, and you could tell no one's paying attention to you. Their heads are down. They're asking to use the restroom. Like there are very loud signals they will tell you um, when they are not engaged and interested. And that's when you have this toolkit um, that you could say, oh, yeah, um, 
sometimes that would happen and there was like a break. I'm like, okay, go take a five minute break. And I'm like, I know brain pop has something on here. So I would look up a brain pop video and, you know, different things that you can easily embed um, or ask the students. I had actually a, a learner get really involved with Kahoot and he asked me if he could start creating review games for the class. Nice. I said, absolutely. And he would stand up front. Um, We would call him (laughs) Mr. His last name. I was like, it's your turn. It's your class. And so he he got up and did that. So it's just really asking them, you know, what is it that you're, um, why was this boring? Like I've asked that before. I see everyone's heads down or like no one's answering me. Um, So just kind of constantly asking your audience what's up and you'll, you'll get a lot of things told to you. Yeah. You mentioned this like concept of miseducation of education, you know, sometimes perhaps like education leaders or high higher ups don't really understand what goes on in the classroom. And then we have this other layer of ed tech whom, how do these companies really understand what happens in the classroom and outside of that? What do you think is, the biggest misconception that ed tech companies have when it comes to marketing their solutions, building partnerships with schools, and ultimately like building something that's actually going to be helpful for a teacher, um, helpful for a student, or helpful for like a parent. Like, what have you seen from a ed tech lens that you feel like is completely wrong or? just a different way of looking at it from a, a business standpoint. Definitely. I would say, um, not trying to make any enemies here, but, um, every product is not needed. Your ed tech product might not be needed in that classroom. So I was, you know, special education teacher. So let's say I needed to find a video I had to scour the internet myself because it had to be age appropriate. It had to be the vocabulary level, had to be something that my learners could understand. And then I needed to find ones that had closed captioning because half the time it was they spoke so fast. So I would literally watch something, press pause and be like, okay, let's take time to read this. So it's again, always comes back to your audience. And I believe the lack of asking educators, what's up? What's going on in your classroom? Um, I think the toll and the taxing emotional um, scape right now of what's happening, this was also pre-pandemic where there's a significant change in student behaviors, in their needs as learners, And I cannot just assume that because my lesson plan says unit one, lesson nine, that I'm going to get to start and finish that. There's so many factors, I think, that nobody understands um, what a day in the life is like as an educator. And so I invite administrators, ed tech companies, anyone to survey teachers to walk into classroom to live stream if they're 
um, doing things virtually to actually see what is happening in education right now. It is um, one of my favorite new shows, Abbott Elementary. Just start watching those episodes. That is about 99% accurate of what it's like in education. Of course, it's a comedic spin and all of that, but that definitely shows you what happens in education. So right there, if you don't have the tools and, um, you know, money at this moment to do any of those things, watch Abbott Elementary and you'll have a lot of your answers. What, what was the name of the show? Abbott Elementary, you said? Yes. It's okay, on, I believe, well, Channel yes. 7. All right. We'll definitely leave a link down below. I got to check that out myself. So thank you so much for that. Um, from your perspective, Stella, like students learn differently. They've always learned differently and you incorporate a level of technology and you add another layer to it. From your experience, how do students learn? Do all students learn the same way? Do all students learn differently? And how, how did that change the way you approach teaching in the classroom from your experience? Of course. Um, so I wish every student learned the same. That's not true. There are things that people can definitely look at called learner profiles or learning styles. And yeah. they're basic things like, I'm a visual learner. I'm an auditory learner. I'm a kinesthetic learner. So it's either I need to hear it, I need to see it, or I need to do something to make sense of it. Um, and so I always think of another framework called I do, we do, you do. So it's always setting it up that myself as the instructor, I'm going to show you how to do something and really explain everything that's going on in my mind as I'm coming across this new topic. Then we're going to somehow do an activity together where I'm guiding you with this new topic. And then I'm going to allow you, groups of people, to work on it together and then finally wrapped up with independent practice. So what's important to know is that when we are doing all of these, you know, we do and I do activities, I'm sorry, we do and you do activities, it needs to be in different formats. So if someone wants to speak with me their knowledge, how am I going to do that? I'm one person, there's up to 30 students in a classroom. So what other methods can I do to appeal to the students who don't like writing? What am I going to do for the students that want to show me their learning in creating something, whether that's drawing, doing a skit, making something a product of what they're learning? So I think that's um, something that tech in general should pay attention to. While video format is lovely, it is not, you know, everyone's favorite. Um, whether that's, you know, there's a question that's posed at the end of a video. If the learner cannot type, they can't do that. If a learner cannot write a complete sentence, they cannot do that. You know, so there's all of these, I call them um, unspoken rules um, and instructions that go into things. And if you are not aware of all of them, then all of the learners will not be set up for success. And you're just going to kind of um, appeal to the ones that 
can get by using the mode like visual, auditory, or hands-on um, that you use. So in education, it's tricky that you need to load all of these buckets all of the time. And that's what feels like you're spinning 300 wheels at one time. Um, so that's kind of the overview of kind of learner profiles and why it's so tricky to truly get an understanding of what every learner knows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost like from a business standpoint, we build all of these buyer personas. We understand there's a teacher persona, a student persona, and maybe an admin persona, but we haven't really taken that next level to like understand within like the actual users, even like teacher personas, right? In terms of like technology adoption, understanding education. So I can't imagine how many of those different personas exist for students as far as like which way they learn best. Do they like audio more? Do they like video more? Do they learn through visuals? So I really admire that feedback. And and is, is there anything else you would add to that? I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, we have this understanding of like business, creating personas, buyers, but like really taking it that next step and saying like, okay, how what are the many different ways that students could use this application or, or teachers could use this application, which is probably another discussion for another day. What do you, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think some companies do something like they will create steps or modifications for students who are English language learners, for students who are, um, have a variety of special education needs. And I think another layer is breaking it down. If your kiddos are more auditory, do this. If your kiddos are more video-based, do this. If your kiddos are more kinesthetic, mm -hmm. do this. And maybe it's asking, and again, collecting the data from the source that knows what's going on and saying yeah. where, like, it's not, I don't want to sit and make a, learner profile for every single child. Um, that's way too much time. But a quick question like, what does the majority of your class prefer? Or, you know, just kind of writing down a few numbers of um, where each learner falls in those buckets. You can go survey any teacher right now. They will rattle off every student name. They will rattle off how they learn best and what's motivating to them. We know the answer. It's just no one's asking us the question. And so that's what's most frustrating, that when we get voluntold a program, we're like, great, this is going to work for 50, 40% of students. What about everyone else? Um, and so that's kind of where it's challenging. And I'll give you a concrete example. There's a student who is brilliant and had attention needs um, difficulties and was really difficult for him to write out anything. And so we had to um, include the accommodation of, you know, a scribe or everything for this learner had to be typed out because he was getting, you know, points reduced for not you know, properly writing things out, but the writing process was so difficult for him and it slowed him down so much. So when we just said, hey, why aren't you doing this? He's like, oh, 
it's really hard for me to write. And we're like, oh, okay. Um, you know, so instead of focusing on let me get you, but you know, um, someone who's going to help you with that, let's kind of override this and see how else can we use technology. And that's when technology was wonderful. He used speech to text. He was a great typer. Mm -hmm. And so when everyone else was writing in their notebook, he had out his iPad. And so again, he was able to show us what he learned in the mode that works for him and us being flexible and saying, okay, as long as you do X, we're fine with how you got there. That's awesome. That's really beautiful to see like a really successful case study right there for your student. What have you noticed from a social emotional aspect? Like you mentioned like this really interesting story, how kids now it's just really hard for them to like initiate a conversation, have, I don't know, just in, communicate amongst their peers. I don't know how much technology has played a role in that, but what have you seen from a social emotional side of things like in the classroom? Definitely a huge, I mean, I could go on for an hours and hours about this. Um, there is a crisis, significant mental health issues impacting the youth right now. Um, I wish that was talked about more on breaking news um, as opposed to what is out there now. And I think social media definitely plays a factor. There are students who do not feel excited, welcomed, um, nervous to come to school because of what is happening on social media platforms. Unfortunately, um, you know, schools have a hard time controlling that. That is not our, you know, ballpark at all. Um, those are individuals sometimes that are not even old enough to have those accounts, creating those accounts. And, you know, it's really maybe parents, I don't know who needs to be monitoring that. Um, but again, this, the consequences come into the school. And it's, you know, one on one conversations. I, I don't want to be in any of these classes, because this peer is in there, and they sent a Snapchat, or they wrote something on Instagram, and they got all of these kiddos against me. And so we have a child not wanting to go to a class to learn because of something that didn't even happen in class and in school. It happened, you know, midnight or 10 p.m. the day before. Um, school refusal, students refusing to enter the school building because of anxiety, um, any type of peer uh, intimidation or bullying. This is a significant issue for education, and it's a really gray line on how can we step in and intervene when things are being done outside of the school day, as well as on, you know, these minor accounts. Um, so I definitely urge parents, um, all social media platforms to really hone in on their policies. And it's not good enough to have a little button that says, I'm 18, click this button, or I'm 15. Um, we could do better than that. And that's what's really frustrating to me, that there are products, and I will shout out one, Gaggle. It is um, one that could be tracked 
Um, and people can be filtered based on what words they type, and it will trigger alerts to let people know that bullying is occurring or self-harm or different things like that. Yeah. There are technologies out there. I don't believe they are being used um, you know, to the extent that they should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know GoGuardian offers something similar with, with Beacon. Um, similar to gaggle so yeah those those technologies do exist um and i agree with you that there there is a a major problem within social media and students as a whole which i think you know leads me to my next question here like obviously you've been in the classroom for 10 years and now you're looking to drive change from the outside what was the inspiration for you starting your own your own brand and, and really focusing on like making that impact outside of the classroom with the technology companies that work with students and teachers on a daily basis. Do you mind just giving us a rundown of like how your, how this like second chapter of your, your professional career got started and and what you're hoping to accomplish? Definitely. So I've always been a lover of learning. I um, always attended all the workshops. I went and got my master's after three years in literacy education because I realized children can't read. Um, So it's like I'm always trying to learn as best as I can the best practices and where we are currently and how to adapt and put that within the instruction that I did day to day. Unfortunately, the education, just like any company, right, they prioritize and value different things every year. It kind of like switches. Um, And so right now, what I realize is that it was going in a direction that I just wasn't going towards. This lack of um, understanding, as we talked about social emotional needs, how we need to press pause and step back and see what's happening. Um, There's a lot of, in my opinion, over testing that's being done. And so as an instructor, I love data. I love learning um, where students are at and how I can help them achieve a goal. The amount that is being done, I don't think is necessary. And so when I started to think about, you know, how else can I enact change and help people achieve a goal and continue to build those relationships, um, I found, you know, SAS and customer success. I really became active on LinkedIn and I joined a bunch of um, customer success communities. And then I started asking for this, like coffee chats with people. And I started asking those questions, like human-centric questions, you know, what is the customer journey like? Um, How do you champion your champions? And that's what I did as a teacher every day. I was everyone's cheerleader. Any small win was blasted. I would email them. I would say it in front of the class. Like, you need to pep up the people and where they're at right now. Um, simple things like if someone came to class on time, thank you so much for getting here on time. Look at that. We get to have a little chat right before. Why do I have to say that? Because they were tardy every single day last week. So I'm going to champion that. And it always starts with understanding who your who your audience is. Um, and so when I started having these chats with people, there were a lot of questions that people couldn't answer. And the biggest stumper. How do you champion your champions? Crickets. No one has a response. And I thought, 
I can rattle off a hundred right now. Um, are you shouting them out online? Do you have a community? Do you know who their kind of leader and administrator are? Um, who do they report to? So I can just go on and on with ideas on how to elevate people. And when I didn't see that within the space, I thought, well, it's me. I'm going to do it. <laughs> You're the best solution for the job right there. I think you and I can both agree that there's a lot of things that EdTech can do outside of their product. As you mentioned, there's a lot of challenges that the modern teacher and student have right now that almost has nothing to do with what the product can do. So I think this is an amazing opportunity to work with someone like yourself who can really provide that insight and come up with come up with solutions, activities, or campaigns that's going to motivate a student to want to show up, to support a teacher in their planning. So I think there's just so many opportunities for ed tech companies to actually demonstrate their desire to make a change, to support, to influence in a positive manner that has absolutely nothing to do with their product. Um, and I think that's that's the opportunity that is set out right now and, and really the call to action for any ed tech company or founder listening right now is there's a lot of problems in education, as Stella mentioned. What are you, What is your brand going to do about it and how can you make an impact outside of the solution that gets acquired by a school district or the next tool that a teacher has. So Stella, thank you so much for all your insight. I think it's extremely valuable in any ed tech company that were to work with you, interview you, or have you a part of their team will already be leaps and bounds ahead. Um, I guess for anyone listening out there, where is the best place to find you, connect with you? I know that you, you started a new community online. Like where can our listeners find you? Of course. Um, I am very active on LinkedIn. Stella Iknana, you will find me, as well as I started a um, community on a place called Volley. So it's an asynchronous platform and it's called Stellar Synergy. So when you connect with me on LinkedIn, you could definitely say, hey, can I join the Volley? And I will send you a link as well. Awesome. Yep. Please connect with Stella. She has a great personality. She's super consistent on LinkedIn, always providing value. And as you can tell from this episode, she's extremely passionate about really impacting students, really providing that understanding from a role that a lot of people don't really understand in the ed tech space. So awesome, Stella. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it today. And um, we will catch you all on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the EdTech Marketing Podcast with your host, Mateo Elvira. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and tricks you can use to help grow your EdTech audience. If you're keen to see these ideas can be applied in the real world, Join us on the next week's episode. As always, you can head over to elvira.media to learn more about our digital marketing services for EdTech brands. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.